Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. Well, that means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. So, it's been just a couple weeks, Pierce, since you and I uh, recorded a pod that was just the two of us, and uh, do you recall what we talked about that time? Uh, I mean, I I actually had a brain injury during that time, so I don't remember anything. Uh, that, this was pre-brain injury. Um, I, I know, but it just, everything before <laughs> Oh, I see that. what you're saying. You've had a yeah. brain injury since then, and that's been wiped from your yeah. your brain bank. Well, we talked about um, Kyrie Irving's trade demand about a month ago, and uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, and uh, holy shit, he got traded last night. Yeah, when you're hearing this, uh, like him, I have also traded places. I'm in a desert uh, in Utah dealing with this news. Um, <laughs> so I actually, it's weird. What, what happened was is they, they said... All right, Kyrie is going to go to Utah, um, and so there's really there's really a void in those time zones. So they said, can you balance it out? You know, Gordon Hayward is now just some also ran. So can you go to to Utah and and also understand what it is to be an also ran there? No, this is this is wild. Now there's a a five nine point card of note in in Cleveland too. So uh, LeBron really has has his Robin there. So I, I, yeah, yeah, this is yeah. pretty unbelievable. I mean. You know, I think there was a little part of me that was skeptical that they were actually going to trade him. Um, I, I thought it was probably going to happen. It just seemed like that was kind of a a toxic personnel situation once he, you know, once it leaked out and became public that he had requested a trade and, and had said that he, he didn't want to play with LeBron anymore. But, I mean, I really thought that they were going to try to trade him to the Western Conference to keep him away from the team they traded him to the Boston Celtics. Uh, instead yeah. they, uh, they went out and got um, an offer that I don't know if anybody really thought was on the table, uh, but was pretty, pretty definitively uh, the best return. They got Isaiah yeah. Thomas uh, who's playing for one more year. You know, he's playing, it's going to be a contract year for him. Um, they got Jay Crowder, who, as as we've noted uh, in our back and forth uh, preparation correspondence, uh, is on maybe the most team friendly contract for like a solid rotation player in the entire NBA. Um, yep. And then Anti Zizic, who um, has a really fun name to say and and might turn out to be a, a promising rookie big man. Yeah, and, we're pros as itch. So And they good. got a Nets they got the Nets unprotected first round pick in two thousand eighteen. Which is just it's wild. And and I'll say that I've seen some stuff around the internet today that's suggesting that the Nets you know the Nets don't have the same incentive to tank that the other bottom feeding teams have. And that's true. Um but with the Brooklyn Nets, it may not really be a matter of incentives. They may just be that bad. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of an aside. They don't know if it's really going, but the Mets Sorry, are Jared trying was. to. 
the yeah the Mets are trying to have this culture as Joe Harris let us know they even track the color of your urine um you know we're a family podcast you mm-hmm. assholes um so the I think that the, honestly the thing that bugs me most about this trade we can, you can argue to you to your blue in the face about uh, who gets better into the deal um are the Celtics like can. you can't it's the but, well. That doesn't so, make it a bad uh, deal for the Celtics, though. It doesn't make it a bad deal for the Celtics. I mean, that's, I don't want to say anyone lost, necessarily. Sure. But the thing that bothers me most about this is we've spent this summer, like, complaining about how, you know, all the talents leave in the, or, or, all the talents leave in the East, and, and the East is just so sucky and, you know, rev up for the West and everything. Um, and the two top teams in the East just kind of traded pieces parts that kind of bugs me because there just becomes this hegemony in the east which will be fun for at least one more year and then after that the Cavs will either um you know lose two valuable pieces and have that first you know, round one pick of them being or, LeBron yeah or they will just reload with LeBron on top, LeBron on top sure. and then the Celtics will still have you know, their new pick in Jason Tatum, who might be good. They'll still have Gordon Hayward. They'll still have Kyrie Irving. And, you know, they'll continue um, on as a very good team. And, hey, don't forget, they also still have a... Seller brother? Well, that's not what I was going to say. That would be a pretty big negative. No, they only have four players returning from last year. Um, and it's... Uh, God, I forgot. It's Smart, Rosier, uh, Horford, and... Jalen Brown. Yeah, which that's not a bad core. Uh, Horford and Jalen. Hayward, Tatum, fucking Kyrie Irving. Oh, my God. And then uh, what I was going to say is that next year they have uh, a Lakers pick with relatively little protection on it. So if it falls from if it falls between two and five, uh, that becomes a Celtics pick. So they may have given away the number one pick, uh, and they may still have, say, the number four pick. But, I mean, how crazy would it be if they had both of those? I mean, let's uh, – God. I, um, it's made the NBA season more fascinating, and I, I'm inclined to think that it's always, you know, it's at least – you know, you called it a hegemony, but at least it's better for there to be two teams – you know, two good teams in the East than for there to really just be one. Yeah, I mean, there's another team that that has at this point three max players on their team in the East and wants to be good, <laughs> but they will never beat those two teams. And I was Wait, at one time a season sorry, ticket holder. Is, is any of those max players Otto Porter? Yes, unfortunately, right. one of them is Otto Porter. Here's the thing I'll say about the Celtics, and you named like Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier is not a good example, but Jason Tatum, <laughs> these are players that they've drafted. I think James Young is somewhere hidden underneath like a uh, like a clipboard on their bench or something. No, but... he they let him walk. Okay, because he played well, for the Pelicans uh, in the summer league. Um, oh, oh man, he's, he was like a he was like a top. I think he, he was, was a lottery pick. pick. He was, yeah. But that's my point with the Celtics is, is like Danny Ainge, I'm hesitant to give him all the credit that people want to do because he's always like, oh, the deal that got away, blah, blah, blah. And you could say Jimmy Butler deal or Paul George deal. That's a better player for the team, though I think Kyrie's contract is very good. He's, he's been doing five years old. Yeah, he's been doing the draft thing for a while now, and mm-hmm. he's built a team that's good. 
let's if you can get a player that is 25 and very good right now on a good contract as opposed to let's you know Jalen Brown was fine this year but he is he going to get better is he going to be as good as Kyrie no so stop you know maybe go ahead and go for it you have Gordon Hayward who they spent a lot of money on and I think we'll be really happy there and he's I I kind of I don't want to commend Danny Ainge for doing a thing that I think makes a lot of sense. He didn't do anything that was particularly heroic, <laughs> but he's he's done a thing that makes sense and he said that this is our team. Let's go win a title or you know, lose to LeBron, whatever. Right. Same difference. Yep, let's uh let's maybe leave this on one on a, you know, kind of a neat factoid, which is that uh apparently in the history of the NBA, uh there has never been a trade involving, uh, like an uh, off-season trade involving two teams that met in the conference finals previous season. And it sounds, I realize that that sounds like one of those sort of cherry-picked ESPN, like betting 347 at night on a Thursday when the weather is between 72 and 79 degrees sort of things. But I mean, think about that. It, you know, teams that are already at the top of the league are not doing deals with each other very often. Yeah. Or really no, that's... ever. So we've seen something that you just, you know, to steal the old cliche, you don't see every day. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that it's important to continue to share those facts because I'm pretty sure ESPN fired everyone who, who keeps track of those facts. So. No, they just fired the people who break basketball news. Oh, that's right. That's right. Poor one um, out for Mark Stein. Love you, Stein. Well, well and then they then they hired one person for the price of like ten of those people. So, so speaking of unceremonious killing off killings off of beloved characters, um, we are actually here this week to talk about. Well, we're not here to talk about Game of Thrones necessarily. No, but we're here to talk about sort of a byproduct of Game of Thrones that you have some problems with. Yeah, so, I mean, this is the whole... Uh, I'm pretty sure it was a Deadspin piece a couple a couple years ago that was about the talk-about question, which is, that's such a lazy question. So what we're doing here is we're talking about people that talk about these these, these <laughs> things. So when, when, this, when this episode actually goes up... Um, the finale will the, have aired... The finale will have aired, and, and like you I'm will not, not have seen it. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm really considering how I'm going to do this in Utah. I think you're actually not allowed to show Game of Thrones there. I will report back. There might be a boom. Uh, uh, well, it, we there might be wine. Uh, well, as <laughs> so, I've actually done a lot of research into how to purchase alcohol in Utah, and it's fine. Yeah, you just you have, have to go to. between you like have the to hours. Do a lot of research. Yeah, you, you do, um, and they have for the LSAT. The Salt Lake City Tourism Board has a very helpful and detailed website that basically says, "Yes, you can buy alcohol in our restaurants." It's kind of funny, but like I appreciate it. They're trying to get people to come. You know what? No one else has to write on their 
department, like their tourism department website, yes, you yeah. can buy alcohol in our restaurants. Well, I mean, the unfortunate thing is they they did all this to make it seem like it was you know friendly for tourists and people actually wanted to go there. And their best product, Gordon Hayward, left. So I I don't really need. I don't know what to do. And Hopefully, out too. You're really sad. Uh, yeah. I I mean, the Stifle Tower is still there. So Rudy Gobert. Hopefully, you can make uh, Utah a a wonderful place to be. I'll be there. <laughs> So I may or may not have have watched the episode when the time comes, but that's that's I'm not I'm not here. My issue is that what everyone has been doing this week is all right. There was an episode that aired, and from a if we stop and look at the plot of it and really focus on just this this week and certain issues, people are taking issues with kind of what is happening uh, as we're watching, but. And then taking a step back and going into what I would say, like, what the author, what the creator is doing. And they're criticizing the creator. Sure. And, now, and we should we should say um, this is a safe episode. We are not actually going to spoil what happened on Game of Thrones last week or yeah. obviously the finale because we're recording before that airs. Um, so no, no need for earmuffs, no need for skipping this episode or anything. Um, but you so you're asserting yeah and and something that i think you have talked about before with other things um you you have a problem with certain facets of criticism yeah and and so i i to to kind of say it um you know my issue with what people have been doing this week the most direct way is that people are, I feel, criticizing beyond what they're viewing. Um, they're criticizing the author, the creator, the showrunner in this case, the showrunners, without you know reading to the end of the chapter. That's how I feel. I so we have an issue with the medium of TV, which is that do you look at it by episode? Do you look at it by season? Do you look at it by series? I, I think that's difficult, and I understand. And there are people that are employed to respond to the episodes. But there's been a lot of criticism of particular plot points, and then they're projecting those onto Game of Thrones can't tell a good story anymore. And they reference things that happened in the first season of the show that were, you know, maybe not the normal heroic arc. And I... I see where they're coming from, but my belief is, hey, I'm along for this ride. Uh, I want to be, I want to be a part of the author's world and and let it come to me. And when they finish the chapter, when I finish reading the chapter, when the movie is over, then let's have a discussion. But I think it's too soon to be so critical of something that is beyond plot in the way the the author is actually telling the story. Is is it though? I- I feel like I, I think that's a hard I think that's a hard tack to take because even even in this regard that you're talking about wanting to sort of wait until the end the end of you know you're right that it all sort of depends on how you arbitrarily choose to divide up this thing this TV mm-hmm. show but I, I think you've indicated that it's seasons for you and we're almost at the end. I, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't no, think it's I, fair I, to say it's not early enough for, or, or it's too early for that. Because I don't, I don't think it is anymore. I, I, you know, I think you're right. I mean, as as an example, um, 
I'm from I'm from Washington area. I've rooted for Washington D.C. sports teams. Um, you know, the Nationals right now have had a lot of issues with their closers, and at the beginning of the season, through the midway point of the season, they you know just no one would work and i was very critical of it and i would say i probably even i don't i don't know that i really criticize the managers because i haven't followed them excuse me as closely this year but you know low and if i had stopped in at the beginning of june and said i'm not going to follow them anymore this is ridiculous you know off with mike rizzo's head um that would have been dumb because he made a couple of very savvy trades toward the end of the season. He he knew what was going on, and I I've had issues with certain plot points this season, or I think they're ridiculous. But you know, sometimes in movies, uh, characters do stupid things because in the end they learn from them. Is that going to happen here? I don't know. It's just I'm hesitant to to criticize the author at this point. Now I, I do want to go back to the idea that. Maybe the issue is TV as a medium is is kind of difficult because, you know, there's not the traditional sitcom or even something like West Wing anymore where each episode can really be viewed as, it, as its own thing or as part of a particular arc for a season. Game of Thrones, I, I, I think, has disagree. broken that a little bit. I you think disagree that? with that uh, it's, entirely. But, but they're making it totally like a, a movie show. now. See, but I think it's also... A thing where every I mean we're seeing it with some of these episodes being long you know considerably longer than episodes in the previous seasons they're all they maybe don't start and end quite as neatly as a, a self-contained movie but they all kind of function that way too I mean I, I think so I actually I think I would maybe prefer to spend slightly less time on the question of TV specifically and more more on sort of the concept of the argument. So, so let me let me go ahead and, and tell you where this concept came to for me because I've I've pulled up the quote and right, it's actually it. a, and it's a note that I took in a class my fourth year of school which oh boy. uh name withheld because it it's just it just sounds really pretentious and it wasn't not pretentious but it was probably the most important class i ever took um and the the professor said at one point um and he was wont to do things like this quote reading is the practice of being a citizen in a totalitarian state and turn off your mind and assume that of the author now this was part of a very long lecture and uh, that what it spoke to me is that if you're really going to read something, you really need to understand the intention of the author, the artist, whoever has created this, what their intentions were. Oh, and man. at least when you go through it, take that in. This and is my feeling is I'll take it in. Go ahead. Afterwards, afterwards, I will start really thinking about it beyond what i think the author wanted me to think about so i wait till the end basically this is another thing that i just it's it seems like a good thought but i think it's a bunch of hooey Um, okay tell me about this hooey you speak of well hooey is an old-timey pg way of saying bullshit um we are a family program we try to use the right words we are not we are nothing of the sort. Um, uh, so I learned from, you know, from a professor that I respect a great deal that 
um, that all art is interpretation. And once it's out of the creator's hands, it's out of the creator's hands. And to a large extent, the creator's intent kind of doesn't matter anymore. What matters is how it's taken in and how it's understood by the people that receive it. That's And I subscribe to that more. and, And I think it's... So I think it's important... So if I can strike a bit of a medium between those two things. I think it's important for you to attempt to understand where the creator comes from. I don't agree. I I disagree wholesale with the idea that you should necessarily just give yourself over and say, you absolutely know what's best for me. You know the right point of view to approach this from. Because things, you know, Things mean different things to different people, and that's a very vague and confusing sentence, but I I think it's, you know, you read things for different reasons, you watch the same TV show as somebody else for a different reason, perhaps. I, I think that, you know, in the specific example of Game of Thrones, I, I think that, you know, it's... It gets talked about all the time as this sort of last consensus TV show, this universal thing, which, you know, it's definitely not. I mean, the, the number of people that watch Game of Thrones on HBO is likely a fraction of the number of people that watch the various iterations of NCIS. <laughs> but, wow. but there are, you know, some people watch it because it's a, you know, it, it's a considerably better political drama than House of Cards. Some people watch it because you know, fantasy things like dragons and zombie aliens. Some people watch it, you know, because they love George R.R. Martin and the Song of Ice and Fire series and and they, you know, they feel this deep connection to those books that they read starting 20 years ago. And this I think is an important point as it pertains to the criticism of Game of Thrones this season. In case you've been living under a rock, the creators of the television show, they signed up to adapt a series of books. That series of books is not complete, but there has been no new material in that series of books. In quite he has some no time. pages. He has in no quite pages. some time, and the show caught up to the books and is now working without a net. And one of the things, you know, you, you mentioned going back to season one and, and, and referencing that, that this criticism goes back to season one a lot and references moments where the show really flipped sort of standard TV tropes on its head, on their heads. Um, and now... Uh, you know, I think in in no small part because they don't have that subversive source material to adapt to the screen anymore. I think that the creators have reverted to a place where they're not subverting tropes and and wishes and and what you want to happen with your favorite character. They're they're fulfilling it in a way that's very fanservicey. And I just I don't think it's unfair to point that out during the season and and you can point it out 
and still, I, I think you can criticize something and still hope that it's going to turn around in the finale and that it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that, I, I think that where I get touchy on, on this, and, and you mentioned earlier about, you know, art, and it's still, it's up to me to interpret. I'm still going to interpret it and I'll still talk about it. I just, I just feel that I am happily consuming this thing that the the creator decided that they wanted to make and put out there for me and uh, I'm I'm going you know out of respect for them and their craft in a lot of ways let let me go ahead and and take take that in um, but yeah no I I've I've certainly stated I'm like this oh this moment is is pretty much exactly what you know you want to see it's very nice it's very heartwarming uh, which is different than this other moment from a previous season. That's more a a reflection on the immediate plot point as I'm seeing, as my point of view that I'm given as as a viewer. What I'm not doing is saying, hey, Benioff and Weiss, what the hell is wrong with you? Why are you doing these fan service things? Why are you just doing what you think I want to do? Well, you know, I, I, I can't, I don't want to, it's, it might be what the books were. And if we go back to your point of they're adapting a book that has no more pages, if that's what's written in the pages, are you going to, you, now you'll have criticized them for something that was going to be there anyways. And that seems really or, dumb. Or, it, or you can criticize George Martin for fucking up his own game. Well, uh, so that's that's a separate thing because he at this point a, I think he's I don't doing think it on a purpose. That's an effective counter argument to what I've said. What if what if the pages he comes out with eventually? And it's not it's this. not one it's it not my be. two. There aren't going to be pages. It's not happening. That's yeah, my and, that's my thought. And that's but and I should say that's not my main argument because it wouldn't matter if we were talking about a, a different show to me. Um, I I would still say I want to you know this is fan service right now. But I've seen the usual suspects before. It could turn really quickly and it can be like, oh, this just got really dark and really unfulfilling and that was not fan service at all. I, I think that ultimately the, the difficulty that, you know, maybe I think a lot of people have, have pointed out and this is especially why I want to, to wait is what they're trying to do is they're trying to finish their book. They're trying to finish their creation. And that's got to be really hard because – as I read, um, you know, I'm reading another Murakami book right now. I recently read uh, Lord of the Rings. In some ways, these are, you know, authors, creators that I would love to continue watching and watching. Would I have really liked to Mad Men to go on for another couple years? Probably. But as an author, as a creator, you make this thing, and I'm sure it's really exhausting, and it takes everything out of you, and you got to end it somehow. And I imagine that's really, really hard. And so, so close to the end, especially when they're putting together original material, I just kind of feel like, all right, how is the author going to do this? They've got this weird timeline that they're doing it in. And, um, you know, I I think the same thing can be said about the... The Americans and this past season of The Americans was really kind of funky and there was a lot going on, but the season ended and really nothing had gone on at all. And it would have been very easy in the middle of the season to be like, whoa, you know, this character is going to come in out of nowhere. And then nothing really happened. And I needed till the end of the season to to recognize that. So seemed but to counter that, I mean, you know, 
the TV critics that were writing about the Americans and talking about the Americans pointed out while that season was going on that it was that nothing was happening and that it was kind of strange for a show that had been you know for four seasons had kind of always had something bubbling under the surface like no longer had that and and it was weird and they pointed out while it was going on i mean andy greenwald is probably the biggest americans evangelist like in the world and he he crushed them on the watch on a pretty regular basis and mentioned how disappointed he was in what the show was doing i mean you know are are you not so are you not taking in the criticism are are you are you choosing to wait until the end of the season to engage with any of it because i think i know the answer uh no i'm not right but uh, the and the the point i would make about criticism is that and i i'm trying to be respectful of this too if your job is to be a critic, you respond as content is available. Yep. That's the way it works, and I and I know that's the way it works. And so what I'm doing now, and it would be easy to criticize that, is you're criticizing the criticism. What I would say is the criticism is about those specific moments and everything, um, and, and uh, you know, this episode or that episode or this half of the season. So the, their criticism, that piece is is it's is a single entity to be talked about, and what they're do, their intention, going back to the author's intention, is for me to once I'm done reading, respond and say I disagree with that point. I don't disagree with things like this plot device was like they had a stupid idea here. No, I totally agree with that. It's it's when they start attacking the author. I think before what I feel is finishing the book that I say I'm not so on board with that because I want all the strings to be you know I, I want it to be set and done and a point that I made to you uh, I think about criticism and I'll, I'll make it again is when I'm reading this stuff that starts to say what is the author really you know doing here are they are they not doing the right thing I don't like that as much as I go back to the Grantland days and, and Molly Lambert would write these uh, commentaries reviews critics uh, criticisms critiques of madmen but they were not really about madmen and more kind of in the same vein as the show of these themes are introduced what do these themes make me think about what connections do they make in me and kind of what do they reveal about character and i think that that's something that's very hard to do so i don't expect people to do it and it's not very captivating you're not going to get people to click because of that just for good writing unfortunately people don't really value that as much as we'd like but um, that is kind of you know more in the vein of of shows like that, which is okay. What were you? What was your point of view leading you to think about this week? And you know how did you respond to that? And maybe a little bit how the characters respond to that. Game of Thrones, though, I think it should be said, is not a show that necessarily functions that way. There is very much a plot that is moving things forward, yep. and there are very much plans that people make and people die and people you know ride their winged animals uh, about. So that's kind of how you have to respond to the show. So I yeah. see it as a necessary device. Sure. I mean, I, I think of it sort of as I think of it as analogous to your nationals example and it's not perfect because you know they've all obviously they've already written and filmed the show already 
So it's not yeah. like something's going to change. But if you and, you know, hundreds or thousands of other Nationals fans don't, you know, pay attention and, and call out the team, the organization, for, you know, trotting out Sean Kelly at closer every day or Blake, <laughs> Blake Trinan, I mean you know it's easier to not make a move I, I mean I, I think that you know it, it it's influenced stuff like that is influenced by people raising a stink about you know what's going on so you, ha- you have to respond to stuff like that yeah. as it's happening it, and it's, I it's think fine you... to look back at the end of the season and say, man, that really, that was a hairy time until they made the trades for Doolittle and Madsen. But, you know, but they really brought it back. I actually think you're in a better position to do that if you're someone who said, oh, my God, this team is going to melt down if Blake Trinan keeps closing games. So, okay, so I, I think that you're right there is me reaction, reacting in the process, watching these games, thinking what's happened, and saying, oh, you know, that closer is not very good. That, that decision that that character made is not very good. I didn't immediately jump and be like, uh, you know, Mike Rizzo's an idiot, or Dusty Baker doesn't know how, how to how manage his pitching. How is he not traded for a, a, a closer to fill the Mark Melanson void? I think you should see... I think you should have done that at that point. So I think you the, should have immediately jumped to how how does how do they not notice this? So I and I think with sports more so I do, and it's because I think and this is a point that I think is hopefully a, a good one um, is that I understand what the you know the rationale for these these creators in in baseball or basketball are, which is you want to put together the best team that can win and in this case hopefully get to pass the second round of the playoffs with tv i think one thing that we our books we don't necessarily think about is does the author want to get out their vision or that they have and it might be really quirky um or is it to make the best show movie book possible i think that benioff and weiss probably just want to make the best show possible so i'm kind of like this some of this is weird right now but they want to make the best show possible right so they're seeing all this and like it's a little wonky but you know and it it's not in that best show possible realm right now yeah we'll fix it why wouldn't you call that out that's what that's the part that i don't understand i because they can still they can still do it it's they haven't done they haven't done things that they can't you know, come back from. So I'm like, but that right. They but, still have time. They'll come back. But trotting Blake Trinan out to close in May isn't something you can't come back from. I, I don't. That that's what I I fundamentally disagree with. I think that you're. I think it's noble to want. You know, you want to give them the chance. You know, you you want you want to trust that these people who have helmed this great TV show for six and a half seasons are going to close it strong. And, and I, I don't have any particular reason to believe that they won't. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you just get a pass when you're trying to make the best TV show possible and you're not doing a very good job of it right now. 
that's yeah, I guess that's what, what I'm, I don't agree with. Yeah, well, I guess what I, you know, maybe maybe the essential, the essence of this that I'm sort of trying to say is, wait, so I'm supposed to get up here and say, I'm smarter than Benioff and Weiss. This isn't how you I, write this TV I show. I don't think. I don't think that's the case. I don't think. I that's think the- that's what people are saying. They're like, they can't tell a good story anymore. Okay, you go tell it. And I know that's not good because that's the whole smarm thing. But but I just think that what it is is I am uncomfortable with thinking that I could do this better so or me, there's a better way. All right, that that I think is a whole separate. I think that's an entirely separate discussion because i don't i don't know i i mean i have certainly read uh you know i'm still kind of in game of thrones binge mode from from the last two months i would say the overwhelming majority of what i've read has not been benioff and weiss can't tell a good story anymore it's they're kind of not telling a very good story right now I, i i don't I don't think it's a critic's place to say they can't do that. I can do it better. I think it's fair to say this wasn't good. This, you know, the whole conception of time seems to not matter right now. And that's really weird. And, and you know... There, there seem to be better things that you could have been doing with these characters at this time. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. If you want to say, you know, don't be a dick about it, don't and don't stray into what I think is not criticism as, as so much as it is just sort of bashing to bash. Like, that's fine. I agree with that. Yeah, and... and- admittedly i think i might be taking it too personally it's probably the wrong way to say it but i might be i might be being hyperbolic in in what they're really saying i just think that there is a and it makes i mean it makes sense given what is going on if i'm looking at it by episode by episode um there is really a question out there of has the way that the story is told gone off the rails? Why are the creators doing this? I, I don't think it's a bad question to ask. I just, myself, I am giving it a little more time before I really am someone who is critical in that manner. That's fine. I, I And I, I get that. I would just remind you that by the time this airs, by the time this episode comes out, this podcast episode, that is, um, mm-hmm. Season's over. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll come out hot we're, we're after that. Be on an, I'll be ready. An eighteen-month hiatus. Yeah, you know, it'll F. be eighteen-month hot take season. Yeah, uh, I look forward to you finally unleashing all those fire takes. I mean, you know what? <laughs> Damn it! At, at the end of the day, like there is not. It's there's still there's, a great show, and there's I'm still not a TV show it. I enjoy it's, more. It's like the, uh, you know, this criticism, you know. Even the bashing, it's empty. These people are not stopping watching Game of Thrones. It's like, you know, to reference the idiotic thing that happened today. Um, it's like, you know, ESPN pulling a, a college football announcer named Robert Lee, a, an Asian man, 
from a, a UVA football game uh, because of his name. <laughs> When if the if the other Bob Lee was calling the game, they would never pull it, which is a different spelling. But his name is also Bob Lee. Right. His name is Robert but they, Lee. They, you know, they they pulled a Cersei Lannister, and and in an attempt to prevent a prophecy from fulfilling itself, they directly made it happen. In an attempt to preempt. You let Robert Lee call a game in Charlottesville backlash. They guaranteed you pulled Robert Lee from a game in Charlottesville, you stupid libtards backlash. Yeah, so... But none of of these people, regardless of which side they're criticizing ESPN from, they are not canceling their entire cable subscription over a college football game it's not even going to be on proper television. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. No I, one's I, doing it. So I just, you know. If okay, you, you know, you don't want to know. You want to know what a sign is that that ES, ESPN is not doing well. ESPN owned by ABC, owned by Disney. They Disney is scared of Deadspin, and they said as much. I know. Uh, I know. The, man, my my head hurts. My head hurts. That hurts. Yeah, and and the fact that the fact that this sort of broke through uh, through Clay Travis bums me out because somebody said to me uh, today, Clay Travis lives to make ESPN look bad, and I said, you know, I don't think that's true. I think most of the time, he uh, he pretty much just lives to make Clay Travis look bad. So I actually had to begrudgingly. Uh, give clay travis credit for temporarily expanding his job description and that upset me a great deal so that that's part of why i'm so fired up about this um oh my god all right we have talked a great deal about criticism um, yeah and specifically criticism of game of thrones we should maybe move on so uh if you have thoughts about TV criticism, whether it's about Game of Thrones, whether it was about Mad Men or, or something else, uh, come check us out on Facebook and Twitter at PrettyOKPod and let us know what you think. In the meantime, let's have another edition of Pierce is Sorry. What are you apologizing for this week? So, uh, this week, um, it was actually last night, I, uh, I went to the grocery store, which is something I do both practically and as a means of uh, relaxation yesterday it was a practical one i'm going on this trip i figured i needed sunscreen because for the first time in my life i looked on a uh you know a, a look ahead weather and it was all sunny and zero percent precipitation the precipitation thing never seen that before so i'll be somewhere for a number of days with no precipitation just sun so i need sunscreen as i'm entering the uh safeway I see a car that is is pulled into a spot, and there aren't many cars in the parking lot at this point. And it is pulled such that, uh, you know, those spots that face each other or whatever, normal parking lot look, they are straddling the middle line so that they're in both spots. Again, it's like 9 o'clock at night on a, on a Tuesday. There's no one in the parking lot, but they've decided to park this way. Mm-hmm. I happen to have a piece of paper in my car. Oh, no. I, I happen to have a pen. 
Oh, no. I write on the piece of paper in large letters, why, question mark, <laughs> park better. <laughs> I put it underneath the uh, the person's, um, you know, windshield wiper. I go in, get my sunscreen, my yogurt, and milk, and uh, I come back out. Wait, hold on. I don't want to. I don't want to detract too much from this, but you bought multiple forms of dairy right before you go on a vacation. Uh, Have you lost your so, mind? So okay, That's so just I bought wasting money. No, no, no. I bought twelve ounces because I was going to the gym later, and I was going to have my protein shake, my protein shake, oh, and I needed, I needed, I needed I'm breakfast, sorry I asked. a breakfast for two mornings, and a snack. So oh, I. I yeah, I'm a smart shopper, damn it. Don't don't tell me I'm wasting money. Um, so I come back out. I see the car is still there. What I'm apologizing for this week is not because I left the note. I think the note was worthwhile, and I'm trying to fight the good fight as a vigilante. You should have left the note. Sorry. What I'm s- you should have taken the note. I Nope, I left the note. But when I was walking by the car again, I saw that it had like a piece of paper in the window. And I was like, oh, no, there's something written on there that says uh, I'm really bad at parking. You know, please forgive me. It wasn't. It was just a parking pass. So I'm sorry for considering that there was any way that parking like that was ever okay. I don't care what it is. Don't park like that. There's no reason. There are people that actually need to park that close because they're expectant mothers or they're elderly or whatever the case is. And you took up two of those spots to be a jackass. No. And so I'm sorry for even considering not letting them know that that was wrong. Because there are people that are more important than them, and there are people more important than me that need that damn spot. I think this has been my favorite apology yet. (laughs) That's wonderful. Man, I'm I'm done. I'm I'm angry. Now I'm angry. Fair enough. The sound of pitter-pattering rain outside my window says that it's time to close the show with... A big idea from pop culture and uh we'll we'll go a little uplifting this week i think um i uh i won't use the passive voice my my father sent uh me and my siblings a a link to a a ted talk that someone had shared with him um (laughs) by this guy rabbi lord jonathan Sachs. he's a, a british rabbi um, and he was talking about uh, the subject was how we can face the future without fear together. It's about you know rediscovering sort of the the bonds that we share with the rest of society. And uh, he he sort of breaks it down to these three levels. There's the us of relationship, the us of identity, and the us of responsibility. And when he's talking about the us of identity he mentions that uh when you go to the memorials the various memorials in dc there's this huge amount of verbiage there are just there's words everywhere and he says i didn't realize in america you read memorials now if you go to the equivalent in london in parliament square you see the monument to david lloyd george has three words david lloyd george nelson mandela gets two churchill gets one churchill and so I'm actually going to play a clip because I think we have that technology now. Um, 
not only to play it and get it on the recording, but for Pierce, for you to hear it, um, talking about why American memorials are plastered with words all over the place um, and, and, and why it's really important. So, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs. Why the difference? I'll tell you why the difference. Because America was from the outset a nation of wave after wave of immigrants, so it had to create an identity, which it did by telling a story which you learned at school, you read on memorials, and you heard repeated in presidential inaugural addresses. Britain, until recently, wasn't a nation of immigrants, so it could take identity for granted. The trouble is now. The two things have happened, which shouldn't have happened together. The first thing is, in the West, we've stopped telling the story of who we are and why, even in America. And at the same time, immigration is higher than it's ever been before. So when you tell the story and your identity is strong, you can welcome the stranger. But when you stop telling the story, your identity gets weak and you feel threatened by the stranger. And that's bad. I think collectively, we've got to get back to telling our story, who we are, where we came from, what ideals by which we live. And if that happens, we will become strong enough to welcome the stranger and say, come and share our lives, share our stories, share our aspirations and dreams. That is the us of identity, and finally, the us of right. So that was Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs talking about the us of identity and, and you know, and telling your story. And I just, it, it, really, it really struck me, that idea that, that the real strength is, um, is not in, you know, keeping people away and, and saying, look how, look how awesome a wall we can build. It's, it's being confident enough in who you are, where you came from, you know, the, the bedrock values that you live your life by that, you know, that you feel confident that, you know, welcoming other people into that fold is actually going to enrich things. And, and, you know, there are some times when we all could just kind of use a boost and, uh, you know, we really, we haven't talked at all about what's happened in, in Charlottesville, a, a place that, you know, uh, I think everyone who's ever appeared on this podcast loves, you know, deeply. We all, you know, it's how we know each other. It's, uh, you know, it's a place that shaped the people we are. And, and you know, I've, uh, I've, I've been thinking about that, uh, that talk and, and those ideas a lot lately. So I, uh, I wanted to share them. Yeah, and you know, I think it. You know, at the end of the day, that that makes me think about you know communities, and I recently had a very large party that was all people that, you know, I met in Charlottesville, I met at UVA, and you know, obviously you and and Max and people like Kevin, people who joined this podcast, Eric as well, Danny, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, yeah, and Jared, yeah, and it's, you know, these are these are all people that. You know, this this thing that, that, you know, it's pretty okay, the podcast, and more than that, this is a story that, you know, we continue to tell and in some ways don't have to explain, but we also explain it every time. And, um, you know, I hope it's something that we can continue to tell and continue to, you know, express as these are, you know, just people that really fucking matter to us in places that really matter. And 
don't know. That's, yep. that's really special, and that, that makes me happy that I've gotten to spend time with people in places that um, help me remember those things. Yep. We'll, uh, we'll put the link to the full uh, to the full video on the episode page along with uh, the clip you just heard. Um, but yeah, lots of, uh, lots of feelings, but, you know, love to the people here in Charlottesville, you know, just heart still breaks for Heather Heyer's family and, and, and what happened to her and, and, and to the state troopers whose helicopter crashed. And, you know, I hope if you listen to this and, and you have some sort of connection to Charlottesville or, or even if you don't and you just, you, you get what it means to you know to be a human and be part of a community um i hope you you try to find ways that you can do better in your life whether they be donating money whether they be finding organizations that are worth your time or you know even just talking to somebody who who thinks differently from you it's it's important and uh it's it's important Um, yep all right that's the end of the show. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Pretty okay Pod. Send us an email at itsprettyokay at gmail.com. You can find this and every episode of the podcast at our home on the web, www.prettyokaypod.com. Or you can subscribe on iTunes or just about anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you do that, please leave us ratings, reviews, comments, or uh, just find somebody to share the show with. Uh, we, uh, we don't do this just to hear ourselves talk. Um, we hope you like it, and, and hopefully you, you know other people that might like it too. We'll be back again next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. Thanks for listening. Bye. I heard it from